Hello everyone, I hope you are having a good day and we are happy to be here today. When we come to spaces, our goal is to create a space for an open discussion or something that we're interested about, but we also want to hear everyone's point of view on that topic. Um, my name is Waj, I'm from Kushtishtol and with me is... Oh, Obviously, I'm Kushtishtol. Why do you have, when we do, whenever we do it, Twitter spaces, you always have like your... Um, podcast voice yeah your anchor voice it's it? like it's only it only lasts for the first three minutes and then when i get into it is it normally when i say what is moving with that that you change your voice yeah i think my brain's like okay time to change it <laughs> fair enough so um yeah thank you for interrupting my introduction Hello. yeah and um i'm sure you all know about kush digital we are a digital marketing agency that we uh, do all kinds of digital marketing activities, but we don't want to talk a lot about that. We want to talk about something that is a bit more in depth. Yeah. So like we always do these, we do Twitter spaces. We do LinkedIn lives twice a week. Um, they're actually podcasts, but we're too lazy to do podcasts in a podcast room. We lost our podcast room in Khartoum. So we do these Twitter spaces, then they become podcasts and blogs on our website. And so wherever you listen to your podcast later, you can listen to this uh but the twitter spaces ones are always more interesting because it's like more of an open discussion so if you ever want to uh jump in and ask questions or uh make a comment just raise your hand where um it's an open discussion and today is a particularly interesting discussion so for years i've always wanted to write a book all right and i've always had the title in my head when i say years i mean literally eight nine ten years something like wow. that and the book's title is Halal Marketing, A Practical Guide. Okay. And um, eventually I kind of got around to it, like with a white paper. So, you know, you, you've read the white paper. And I think that like of all of the things that there is, there is really good guidance on for Muslims, marketing is one that just, there isn't, there's no real good guidance. Digital marketing in particular, because it keeps changing every day. If you had written that book 10 years ago, you would have to rewrite it again and again and again in the past couple of years. But you just said there is no practical guide for Muslims. And when you mentioned Islamic marketing discussion, were you talking about a guide for Muslims who want to adopt Islamic principles in their marketing and make sure that they are doing the right thing to their faith? Or you were talking about non-Muslims who are targeting maybe those because for me, when I hear the, when I hear Islamic marketing, I, I I see different categories of people, and I don't know which one uh, you meant. When I originally thought about this book, um, it was really based on my own experiences as a Muslim working in like the UK or in the US doing marketing. Right, so uh, that was the original thought. But as it evolved, the more that we wrote, like the more it became obvious that actually there's a need for companies who are not based in Muslim-majority countries who are entering into Muslim-majority countries to just have a basic outline of what is socially and culturally acceptable um, in in those countries. So it's kind of both, actually. Um, but I think predominantly it's for Muslim marketers because, I look, we were all, I'm sure we all face that question in our mind when we're doing certain activities is this right should i be doing this or not so how does that question different differs though for a muslim and a non-muslim so 
if I'm a non-Muslim and thinking, should I write that price that way or that I'm questioning my ethics? How is that different from a Muslim questioning whether it's, I don't know, halal or haram or the, is it the right thing to do from for my religion? Well, I'm not sure it is fundamentally different, but I, I appreciate you trying to set that trap for me to say, you know, um, that non-Muslims are all kuffar, but that's not at all what I'm going to say because that's not true at all, right? Well, I'm not, it's not at all the purpose of that the discussion, right? Ethical values are ethical values, okay? Now, it just so happens that we are Muslim and therefore we live by a moral code based around Islam and the Prophet them, right? So that is like our, that's our North Star. That's our sort of moral compass. And so does that moral compass vary significantly between uh, Muslims, uh, Christians, Jews, Hindus, atheists? No, of course not, because Islam is the religion of humanity. It's there for everybody. So the ethical guidelines are the ethical guidelines. Where's the difference? The difference is, and I can only speak from personal experience, but for the most part, it is Muslims who are in marketing that struggle with this concept of, you know, they are more acutely aware, in my experience, of what is morally acceptable. And certain things in marketing have just become so normal that we don't even consider their moral implications anymore. So, yeah, I think it, it applies to everybody. Okay, and uh, I'm going to give you a sip of water because... <laughs> and, and so, within the same regard... Um, are there things that are not considered when it comes to ethics in general that are specific to Islam? That le I think that's my actual question, which is, are there things that are so special that only Muslim would want to know if they should be doing it or not that is not maybe as general or as broad as a, an ethical code that most people in the world adopt? I think what has become really apparent in writing this is that Halal marketing is actually just good marketing, right? So if you just do good marketing, you're doing everything the right way. The challenge with digital marketing in particular is that, that it's so metric and numerical based that the, the, the lines of acceptability move very quickly, okay? So let me give you like a real world example. Um, if we were in the 1950s and we were in Saudi Arabia, let's say, okay? And we wanted to do an advert for Nike uh, women's wear. Okay? That would be an impossible ad to run. It literally, you would not be physically able to run that ad with a woman in a photo on a billboard. Okay? Now, you may be able to run that in a different way, showing the clothing or showing some other way, but there's no obvious way of doing it. Now, let's take today. If you're based in the US and you work for Nike and you want to run Nike women's um, uh, sportswear campaign in Saudi Arabia, you'll run a Facebook ad. Yeah. And on that ad, you won't have that one creative that you spent, you know, six weeks, 12 weeks perfecting. You'll have 50 different creatives. All right. And human nature is human nature, just like human ethics are human ethics. And an unfortunate element of human nature is that when you show curves on a woman or you show skin on a woman or you show hair or the woman is heavily made up 
or she's deliberately beautified, that creates a higher level of engagement. And the problem with digital marketing is that that is a real number, all right? So you can have 50 different um, advert creatives, right? And let's say a million people go to all of uh, to, to them uh, individually. What you're measuring is how many people who saw each ad, what percentage clicked to go to the website. It's a really basic example. And what you'll find is that those who have the most attractive women, yeah, who are showing their most attractive features will have the highest conversion rate, the highest number of people that will click through. And what's interesting in that data is that that is not exclusive to men. Women will also click through at a higher level. It's just a, an element of human nature. Okay, so now in, in a digital marketing sense, you look at that data and if you weren't, everyone is, everyone's sort of um, managed or to some extent controlled by their moral compass. But then you also have a manager who's your manager or your boss or your CEO who's saying, well, we need higher conversion rates. And you see the conversion rate, you go, okay, well, if I remove a little bit more clothing or if I do this and do that, and very, very quickly, you can move into a space, which is if I'd have said, you're going to run this advert on Facebook right from the start, you'd have said, no, that's totally unethical. There's no way I would do that, right? As a normal human being, yeah? But through that sort of step-by-step -step approach and that chasing of the numbers, it's very easy to find companies that now do that, that now sort of wander into that space of unethical marketing. Um, and so I think awareness of that and solutions to resolve that are really what this white paper's about. That is, you kind of opened too many doors right now because this taps into various areas. First, when it comes to the, you're talking about the content of a promotional um, material and which, which is a specific case where there could be conflict for a, a Muslim being that this is not, it, it conflicts with their, with their belief. But um, it also kind of conflicts with a general trend right now. It's like not to objectify women, not to make them a commodity and stuff like that. But at the same time, the numbers are the numbers and marketers usually follow the numbers. But does that mean if I follow that ethical code or that what I think is right or that I'm, I will lose in competition, that I'm not going to, I'm going to lose basically. And so doesn't that put you in a, in a, in a contradiction between what you believe in and what works? And, and I think, yeah, just cause I think that's a really important point. So, because that's the fear, right? The fear is if I don't do this explicit campaign, like Adidas are doing or like my competitors are doing, then I'm going to lose out on market share. And the thing is that if you're a good marketer, that doesn't have to be true because marketing channels varied and wide so you may lose out on facebook ads you may get a lower conversion rate on facebook ads right but you may if you play it properly you may get a higher customer retention rate so each customer maybe each customer for um adidas brings in 500 dollars a year but if you do it well for nike it could be 800 dollars a year which would more than offset a change in conversion rate the point is that um when you're in that situation, particularly if you're working for a, for a Western or, or non-Muslim company, and you're in a situation where you have to make a decision, you know, is this morally correct? Is this like, I don't want to use the term halal because I'm not a sheikh, but is this what 
uh, my sheikh might say would be halal or not. The, the point is that your decision isn't that linear. It's not just, is this the right thing or the wrong thing to do? It's actually, am I doing the right thing through all of my marketing channels to maximize the benefit? Yeah. And you can exactly, as you said, you can go the totally opposite direction as Nike actually have, right? By really empowering women, um, particularly Muslim women in sports. So and that's like one example that I've chosen. I don't want to get stuck on that example because there are thousands, but that like, that's a really obvious example of like, um, the objectification of women and whether that would be an appropriate thing to do in a, in a Muslim majority country. So in, w in other words, you're saying that that restriction kind of increases forces you to be more creative because because you still have to make the numbers and there are ways other than the obvious ways to get to people yeah not more creative i'm not saying people need to think completely new ideas i'm simply saying that if you do marketing properly if you focus on all marketing channels then you're going to get better results right so the challenge with Facebook ads, Twitter ads, Instagram ads, all of that is that they make marketers lazy. They say, okay, well, this is a quick route to new customers. But actually, if you stop being a lazy marketer, if you just do marketing properly, then you'll get the be you'll get better results regardless. So it's not necessarily about being more creative. It's just being about more complete as a marketer. And navigating your way through all of those channels and all of the ways that you can use, actually. And you made me think, because you mentioned the content, um, I've been looking into what are the the um, components that a Muslim uh, marketer could look at and think, okay, this is an area where I need to investigate whether this is, um, whether I can take the route of, of, you know, following my belief or am I doing something that I think is wrong or that I feel is wrong. So content, the the content of the promotion is one aspect. What are other aspects that you could find those elements of where you you will find conflict or you'll find i either do this or that i think one of the there are lots okay and even within content there's a lot all right but let's just move away from content into a different example data privacy i think is a really really big issue right now so um it is common practice in the marketing world to collect email databases and basically spam people all right well that is uh, an invasion of someone's privacy. That is, and, and again, in the white paper, there are hadith and, and ayat which are specifically related to each of these. But that is an invasion of someone's privacy. They haven't directly said, I want to hear from you as a company. You haven't promoted your product to them except for to take their data and to promote to them through their data. So again, like spamming is definitely um, one area which I would suggest is, and again we're going to use the term halal versus haram but we are not shield but it's just so that but so that we understand what we're saying is definitely an area where that becomes a question right now let's think about that in a non-muslim context let's just think about it in terms of um being a good marketer well if you're a good marketer what you do is you set up landing pages you run campaigns and through those campaigns you collect email addresses because people opt in and you engage with those people emails are secondary engagement or not a primary engagement. It always has been. Okay. So if you're a good marketer, that's what you'll do. You'll get people to your website. You'll show them an offer and say, if you want to take advantage, give us your email address. They'll give you their email address and you can send them the offer. And then they've given you permission to have a dialogue with them. And you can continue to have that dialogue until such time as they hit the unsubscribe button, which again should be in, not like at the bottom hidden in the corner, but really prominent on the email. 
so that people always have the option to stop that conversation. Okay. Now, what I'm describing there is just good marketing best practice. Yeah. But what I'm also describing is what we would define as halal marketing, as like the right way, the Islamic way to do email marketing. Does that make sense? Yes. So that, that leads me back. What are the foundations, though, then, of what we consider to be an Islamic marketing or something that um, adheres to Islamic teachings? So what you just mentioned is data privacy. I'm going to go back to the uh, areas, but what you just mentioned is data privacy. Um, what about, like, honesty? Are there foundations that if, if you put in your head, those are the foundations of Islamic teachings that we should adopt in Islam? And is there something that is uh, additional or essentially different from ethical marketing that people also adopt or try to adopt? So again, I, I, like, I don't think that there is anything fundamentally different between ethical marketing and halal marketing, right? I don't think there's a fundamental difference. But again, I think that Muslims are more susceptible to this concept. So yeah, I think that the main pillars are honesty, um, honesty in communication, honesty in terms of pricing, honesty in terms of content. Um, I think modesty is important. And I mean that in terms of, you know, content production, video, uh, imagery, and things like that. Uh, data privacy is like, like we've just discussed is another sort of fundamental, um, area within, within the model. Um, and, and finally, I think that it's about kindness. Yeah. So good marketing is kind marketing. It does the right thing to help the consumer. Me selling you a product that you'll never need or use is bad marketing, okay? Because it only creates bad will, right? So make it, you know, being kind to prospective customers is, is, is critical, and as well to your competitors. There's never a value in directly attacking competitors in your marketing, and I think that's an important part of this too. Um, I, I read something somewhere that says marketing is, providing your customers' needs and um, Islamic marketing is providing those needs according to human values. And So let's just turn that on its head, right? So marketing is providing a customer its needs and then you said Islamic marketing is providing the needs based on human values. So let me just turn that last bit. Human marketing is providing those needs on human values, Okay. And this is why I think this is really important because, you know, Muslims don't really have a guidebook. What do I do? Like, if you if you're a, if you're a doctor, it's really clear where the boundaries are in terms of Islam. Yeah, in, in you know, the, the, it's very clear. It's been discussed. It's been written about a lot. If you're a, an a, an accountant, right, or if you're a bank, or if you're a not for profit organization, yeah. all of these sectors have been really well written about. There's lots of um. There's lots of literature, lots of language around how Muslims can operate best in all of these environments. There is very, very, very little, I would go further and say basically none of any value. Um, no content out there that helps guide Muslim marketers to being good marketers and a good Muslim simultaneously. Um, when you were talking, I kind of had flashbacks of, of experiences where I was subjected to relentless marketing, um, where like phone calls, for instance, when you get random phone calls selling you something that you probably don't, you've never even heard about, you don't, and you don't want it. And uh, no matter how hard you try to block that, it still happens. 
when I go to supermarkets or to malls and there the price says 3.99, something about me just hates that concept uh, a lot because it's kind of telling me that there is a lower price, but I know it's not, but it's kind of manipulating my psyche and, and trying to convince me. And then it takes me to the essence of marketing, which is changing behavior. And you have to have some sort of manipulation in order to do that. Doesn't that kind of clash, like that core of uh, purpose, purposely um, changing someone's behavior by you know adopting certain strategies, which is the core of marketing? Doesn't that clash with Islamic teachings? Um, no, because of the way you worded it. Okay, so the way you worded it is that manipulating someone's behavior is the core of marketing. That's not at all the case. Uh, marketing, the core of marketing is influencing people through your channels, yeah? But that's not manipulating. They're two very different things. So know the way that you answered it, the way that you asked it, but yes, in a different way, or at least it's a gray area. Let's take the 399 example. It's a good example. So firstly, you know, let's explain why companies use .99. Right, or dot ninety eight or dot ninety seven, and it's all based on something called heuristics, right? So heuristics are basically um, click play behaviors that we have. You're going to be very, um, if I wave in front of your face, you're going to blink. If I uh, clap, you're going to startle. These are just automatic behaviors, and that's what three ninety nine really represents. And it's a heuristic that's actually based on a, a very simple human behavior, which is that humans don't read whole words, right? So if, you, if I gave you um, a full sentence with only part of each word, the first part of each word, you'd be able to read the sentence. Or if the words were jumbled up after the first and the last letter, you don't, you'd be able to read the, the full sentence. And that heuristic is played out in marketing too. What do we do? We know that people say, well, it starts with a three, therefore it's three, 300, 3,000, whatever it is. Even if it's 3,999, the brain says three, 3,000. Yeah. So... That becomes a gray area in terms of, right, is that manipulating or not? Because there is no direct manipulation there. And I'm going to come back to one where there is direct manipulation. So there's no direct manipulation. And it's become a standard. It's become a standard. But just because something's become a standard doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. Okay? So if you were in a position to offer a product at 4,000, I, I would argue nowadays that it's better to just offer that at that price. Yeah? Because people kind of are aware of, of the value of it. Now, then in the pricing sense, there's even more complex examples where we need to start to think as Muslims, is this correct or not? So um, probably the best example is Starbucks. Okay, so if you order a, a latte at Starbucks, you have tall, you have grande, and then you have venti. All right, so tall is small, grande is medium, and venti is the large. All right. The actual volumetric difference between a grande and a venti is small it's like 20 percent more but the price difference is like 60 percent more okay now there are ways to manipulate pricing in threes that allow someone to look at something and believe that they're getting a higher value from that by just the way that it's priced okay now again these are sort of concepts where you have to say, oh, is it wrong to play out on these heuristics or not? Yeah. 
And these are kind of individual questions. I will say that these things have happened for centuries, millennia, right? There is no difference. Like marketers in the bazaars in Arabia in the, you know, in, in, in the ninth century knew the same things as marketers today in terms of human behavior. They would package products, they would price products together, they would set high prices and then lower prices for discounted products, the things that they actually wanted to sell. They would change pricing throughout the day, they'd change pricing based on the person that was in front of them. So I'm not saying that these are good or bad things to do, I'm not making a moral judgment on these things, I'm simply saying that they have happened forever. So, um, but that's a big part of uh, kind of what the, the struggles of being a Muslim in, in today's world and, and marketing, because those decisions you know, a long time ago, they were held at like the senior levels, but now marketers have much more freedom with pricing. They can price it basically however they want based on their conversion rate because everything comes down to conversion rate and, 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 and margin. And, and the role of the marketer has become significantly more important in that sense. So, yeah, I think that that's probably a big area pricing just by itself. That's excellent. So, can we mention other examples that are more specific to digital marketing, not marketing in general, um, and things that we have seen firsthand um, on social media or SEO or, um, you know, accounts, increasing following and engagement in, in ways that we might consider a bit shady uh, <laughs> Islamic stuff. So let's talk about, let's talk about social media, right? And, and growing following or engagement on social media. So let's say that you um uh, you have a company page let's talk about kush digital's company page on facebook then it's cleaner right so who do we want following that page we want marketers to follow that page because that's the kind of content we deliver we want marketers to know about kush digital and then ultimately we want them to become our customers in the future and to do that what a marketer has to do is they have to download the free app which is called facebook have an account right and then they engage entirely free of charge. They don't pay any cash. How they pay is through advertising, all right? So they, whilst they're scrolling, they have to see adverts, essentially, okay? So me as a marketer, what I can do, and this is, I think, is really good Islamic marketing, is I can target people who have said they're interested in marketing, and I can show them our page and get, encourage them to engage with our content. I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's pure advertising, and it's way better than like the noise pollution of just street billboards and things like that, okay? But then let's go to what people were doing in Sudan, okay? So what people were doing in Sudan is that they would have clients and they were managing managing company pages and they would have like 500 fake Facebook accounts and they would engage with their client's page using those fake accounts. Well, that's just lying, isn't it? That's entirely deceptive. Firstly, it's really bad marketing. It ruins the algorithm, but also it's entirely deceptive and not at all Islamic, okay? So I think that, you know, and, and we know people personally who do this and no one ever shows any form of regret, right? They always say, oh, this is what they do. This is how people grow pages, yeah? And this is my point. This is why digital marketing and Islam are really sensitive topics to put together because in digital marketing, you move at such a pace that the boundaries of what is ethically acceptable change so quickly. Right? Exactly. And that is really critical. What's really important is that we do take the time to say, hold on, what is what is the right thing to do here? Let's take a more advanced form of growth within Facebook or, in fact, any other social network. Um, algorithm manipulation. All right? 
So, for example, we know that the algorithm will promote content that has a high engagement in the first 30 minutes. Now, we know that because, because it's our job to know that, okay? So now with that knowledge, if we encourage people, let's say, in the office to engage in the first 30 minutes, and they engage, and that drives the overall engagement higher, is that ethical or not ethical? Well, I would argue that it is ethical because ultimately, if the content isn't of value, it won't go any further than that anyway, okay? So you can't put out bad content and have engagement and then um, put out a, and, and, expect, and have that like 30 minute engagement and expect that engagement to continue, yeah? So as long as the content's good, there's nothing wrong where I don't see anything wrong with promoting using the tools that are available to you. I think where the challenge is, is where you start doing things that are just unethical, fake followers, um, driving fake engagements, and so many do it. But the good thing is, again, I keep coming back to the same thing. Good, if, you know, I would argue Islamic marketing is just good marketing, right? So on Facebook, if you have too many fake followers, what do they do? They block your account because that's bad marketing. If you pay for link farms to to click on like on, on your posts, what does Facebook do? It bans your account because it's not good marketing. So again, I think that there isn't really a line between just good marketing and Islamic marketing. I just think that it's very easy to fall away from good marketing and therefore fall away from Islamic marketing. I think the only, like, there are some spaces where people would argue about that in just um, when it comes to, let's say, freedom or freedom of speech or saying that I can use the kind of content that I think is right, even if it's not, doesn't look ethical to you or to someone who is in a Muslim-majority country. But then uh, we come back to if you want to market in a Muslim-majority country, there are some things that you need to consider even if you disagree with them. Um, let's say the modesty thing. Not everyone would agree with the kind of where that line is, like what is considered modest and what is considered not mo not modest from different perspectives. Um, we spoke a lot about um, Muslim marketers and things that they can pay attention to or th tools to help them pay attention. But what about people who are not Muslim and who want to market for Muslim-majority countries? And they they have no idea how to navigate that. Uh, if they even should consider that when they are creating their marketing strategies. So let's dive in a little bit into that. And is there a mindset that they should adopt when they want to um, come into Muslim or Muslim-majority mar uh, markets? Uh, before they start selling or promoting those products, whatever they may be. So again, let's go back to what is a good marketing? What is a good marketing gonna do? A fundamental tenant of all marketing is understanding your audience so that you can segment, okay? So you have to understand your audience. So if I wanted to market in China, but I started posting content in Japanese, that means I haven't understood values. That's a really like extreme but obvious example. If I'm not writing in the language of my audience, then I've totally missed the opportunity to market to my audience. The same is true for visual and video content and audio content too, right? If you aren't talking in the language of your audience, you're missing the opportunity. What we have to understand is that um, different cultures, different countries value different things to different levels, okay? So what is ethically? So is it, would it be ethically correct for you to post a woman 
um, a, 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 an image of a woman wearing a hijab. Maybe. Yeah, we're not sure. We don't know. But what we do know is that it, if you were posting that content in Saudi Arabia and the woman didn't have any, a hijab, you would definitely have crossed out of the bounds, right? You would have, you know, I don't want to say insulted, but you certainly would have, you know, negatively impacted your target audience, assuming your target audience is an expatriate who live in Saudi Arabia and it's local Saudis, okay? So one of the challenges is you have to understand your audience. And this is, I think, one of the main purposes of the white paper is for um, companies who are looking to move into um, Muslim-majority countries to understand how best to engage with those cultures. And, it, you know, so many companies come to us asking that exact question, you know, how should we market this best in, in, you know, in, in these countries? And some are, some are really easy to answer and some are more difficult to answer because of, because of the nature of, of the country or the nature of the product. But ultimately, if you don't understand your audience, then you're not a marketer, yeah? And there is an arrogance that exists if a marketer sits there and says, well, if it worked in the UK, it will work in Qatar. Well, that's just really arrogant because there's no way that um, those two cultures are the same and they're not the same in terms of what resonates in terms of marketing, yeah? There is no superiority. Humans are humans, right? We all live in different cultures. We speak different languages and we have different um, norms, cultural norms and religious norms. And so it's up to the marketer to adapt to those norms. It's not up to the audience to adapt to the marketer. Does that make sense? Um, you've, you've touched on, I keep saying, you touched on so many points that make, that make it that I don't know what to choose to talk about. And I think that that's the important point is that like this white paper is 50 pages long. We're trying to bring it down. And it could, this like 40 minutes that we're going to talk about is not going to be the last one. We're going to talk about this for, for a few more podcasts to come because it's almost endless actually. And, and 50 pages is, is me cutting it down. It could have been 150 pages. So that's my last question for this podcast, which is, do you think it's wise to kind of mention religion when it comes to marketing? Because usually people just start feeling uncomfortable when, it, when you bring up religion in any kind of area. Um, so do you think this is something that should be spoken about more? Do you think that it should be discussed in more spaces? And do you think that's good if that should happen? Like if people did discuss this, do you think it's going to have a positive impact or a negative impact where it's going to focus on, you know, areas that maybe people don't feel comfortable bringing it, bringing it up to the surface? I think that people who don't feel comfortable talking about religion are people who aren't comfortable with religion. And there are lots of people who are uncomfortable with religion. There are atheists, there are um, people who are vehemently against all forms of religion, be they Abrahamic religions like Islam, Christianity, Judaism, or, um, uh, you know, uh, polytheistic religions such as Hinduism. It doesn't, there are always going to be people who have that question that you've just asked in their minds, like, what has this got to do with religion? Yeah. This white paper isn't for those people. This white paper is for Muslims who are in marketing and want to have the discussion in their mind about how can I be, how can I, how can, how can I reconcile being a great world-class marketer and being true to my religion. And it's for people who are non-Muslim who are working in companies that want to move into a Muslim majority country. There is no fundamental difference between the discussion of halal marketing and the discussion of halal finance or the discussion of, um, halal medicine 
or uh, halal pharmacy. There's really no fundamental difference. The only thing is that no one's really written about it the way that we're writing about it. And I think the reason why no one's really written about it to that level is just because it's so new. And it's so difficult. It's so difficult to really understand. But I, I would I would argue that if I would argue there are probably less than ten thousand people in the entire world who truly understand how social media digital algorithms work. Most marketers don't truly understand how they work. Most I mean the vast majority of just like people on the street don't understand how they work. They just open TikTok and see the content, right? So it's our responsibility to an extent to um highlight these things and we're not forcing it there's no like i said we're not sure so there's no like there's no fatwas here this is purely based on our experience and, and our research and what we think and it's there for debate it's there for discussion but frankly if everybody reads who reads the white paper starts a discussion on this topic and then that white paper evolves into something more i think we've done our job frankly that's brilliant and um I can see where the next topics are going. How how are we going to evolve from this point moving forward? And I would encourage everyone who listens to this to suggest maybe some points that we haven't still tapped in. And maybe after the white paper is out, there will be even more questions because it's going to go more in depth into this topic and it's going to talk about every category uh, uh, in depth or in detail. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think that if you're listening in... in um... Twitter Spaces Live. Uh, very nice of you. Thank you very much. But but the vast majority of people will hear this as a podcast on Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts, and it'll be out later on tonight. But today's the what, 27th? Yeah. So later on, on the 27th. And uh, you can reply on the blog post, or you can reply on the LinkedIn post, or the Twitter post, or wherever it is. Wherever you want, whatever you think that we should discuss in the next version of this podcast, we'll, we'll absolutely do that. This, I think we aim to have this uh, white paper released in the next two weeks. It might take a little bit longer than that, but certainly in the next two weeks, we, we aim to get it released. And I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to get people's feedback on it. Thank you so much. Let's wrap it up. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. See you on the next one. Thanks. Bye-bye.